everyone. Welcome to Sabbath School Gems, where each week we showcase key concepts from this week's Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sabbath School Gems. This is Lesson 8 for the fourth quarter for Sabbath, November 20, 2021, and it's called Choose Life, and it's from the quarterly Present Truth in Deuteronomy. Now, this lesson centered around Deuteronomy 30:19, where it says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And this verse we had talked about in previous gems, and this is really good because God is telling them, these commandments that I'm telling you are not difficult. They're not so far off. They're not unreachable. They're not burdensome. They're right here. They're right with you. In fact, the Lord wanted to speak with all the children of Israel face to face as he did with Moses. They're the ones that said, no, Moses, you go up to the mountain. So he really wants us to be with us and part of us and not something that we can only learn through another. It's the same choice, this choose life or death, as in Genesis, as the lesson brings out. Genesis 2.17, where it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And that word is die, die. You know, it's really the choice that God is trying to show us that when we choose him, we are choosing life. And when we don't choose him, we are in a way choosing death, not because he's going to punish us because we're not obeying him, but because it's the natural course of things. He is our source of life. He was our creator. And just like in the Garden of Eden, where he cut them off from the tree of life, we are cutting ourselves off from God. We are cutting ourselves off from our source of life, our creator. You know, the lesson mentions a sin problem. The sin problem has to be taken care of, but it's really a choice problem if you look at it, because it's a choice that we have to make. Monday's lesson goes on to talk about there not being any middle ground, and it lists a bunch of texts, and some of these, I'm not going to read them all, but just like in Matthew 7, it says, you know, the man that hears the word and he does it, he, it's like he's building on rock, and those who hear but don't do, it's like they're building on sand, and their house is going to fall, and it's going to be a great fall. First John 5, 12, he that hath the Son has life, and he that doesn't have the Son of God doesn't have life. It's just that easy. It's like either you have it or you don't. And Romans 8, 6 is another example. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And it's true. There's really is a black and white choice. Now, Satan wants us to think that we can sort of sit on the fence or have it both ways, kind of have a little bit of God, like the children of Israel when they came out, you know, they built their golden calf and then they worshiped and then they went off to play. They, they wanted to have that worship experience, but then they wanted to do what they wanted to do, to do. And there really is no other option like that. It really is quite black and white. It's a choice. That is what Satan's trying to do, though, is make us think that there's just some gray area that we can just live within. And that is a, a big deception indeed. Now, Tuesday talks about life and death and good and evil, which are the two choices, life and good or death and evil. Deuteronomy 30, 15, it says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Those are the two choices. And then going on in Deuteronomy 30, 16 and 17, it tells us a little more about those choices. It says, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, 
his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. So that is the life and good. That's obeying God's commandments and walking in his ways and loving him with our heart. And the death and evil is in verse 17. But if your heart turns away so you don't hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. So those are the two choices. Turning away and not hearing and being drawn away leads to death. And following God and walking in his footsteps leads to life. Those are the only two options. We can't think that we're safe because we don't bow down to a Buddha or we don't bow down to a statue of the Virgin of Mary. When it's talking about those two choices, it's really talking about any kind of subtle idolatry, not just the kind that we want a picture on our head, but any subtlety about not following God and not walking with him and not really listening to him and making him our God and our all is going to let Satan lead us away because he'll be right there to make sure that he leads us away. Wednesday's lesson goes on to talk about it not being too hard. It's like available to all of us. So that's Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. It said, for this commandment, which I command thee this day, is not hidden or far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word that's daubar is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. And here we have that same idea of hearing it and doing it. So there's the hearing, there's the hearkening to, that's an intellectual activity. And then there's the doing, there's the obedience, there's the act, that's the aftermath of that, that faith act of hearing. And you know, what is this commandment that he's talking about in Deuteronomy 30? We'll just go back one verse into 30.10 and it tells us, it says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And we've talked about this in previous gems. I mean, it's talking about the commandments, the mitzvah, his statutes, his kokeh, which are written in this book of the law, the Torah. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So that's the commandment that's not too hard. You know, Satan wants us to think that the choice is so difficult or it's burdensome or someone has to tell us, or it has to be a priest that has to tell us or a rabbi or, or Moses has to bring it down from the mountain. But God is saying, no, it's right here. He wants it to be available to all. It's not too hard. It's not too complicated. You know, I really like it in Genesis where he tells Cain, he says, why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. That's, that's in Genesis 4, 6, and 7. It's so fitting because he's really saying, Cain, it's, he's trying to convince us. And that's really all he can do because he doesn't want to force us but he just wants to show us that it's our choice. It's not something that's so hard. You know, why is Cain so distraught? And why is he struggling with this? It's not that hard. It's just do well and you'll be accepted. Listen to God, hearken to his voice. And that's life. And it's that simple. But it's just Satan that wants to 
make it sound like it's really complicated and it's difficult for us to do. We're born into sin. We just can't obey God. We just can't hear him. We can't know him. That's all Satan's work because God's saying right here, no, it's right here. It's with you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. He wants to write his laws in our heart. And that means all of us, not not just some preacher that can relay it to us, but he wants to actually write it individually in each of our hearts. He wants to speak to each of us. He wants us all to be priests. He wants us all to be following him and knowing him. And he's saying it's not that hard. It's not, why would God want us to obey him and give us a task without giving us the ability? If we really can't do it because we struggle with it, why would he give us something that we're not capable of? It's true that we're weak, we're finite, we're human, and Satan is misleading us any chance he can get. But God is saying he'll give us the strength. He made us pure beings. He made us holy, and he made us perfect, just like he made Satan perfect until iniquity was found in him. So surely he wants us to get back to the state that he originally created us for. And you know, this text in Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14, where it says this commandment which I commend thee this day is not hidden, it's not far off, it's not in heaven. That is actually quoted, I mean, it's such a good quote, it's quoted again in the New Testament, and that's in Romans 10, 6 through 10, and it says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now look at what this is saying. This is saying if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. So and some people will use this text and say, see, you just have to believe in Christ. Just just believe in Christ and that's all you have to do. But even this wording, it's talking about believing in your heart, but confessing with your mouth. That's like an act that you're doing with a physical member of your body. You know, it says that several times. It says it's in your mouth and in your heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, just like Abraham did. He believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made. Same thing with Abraham. He believed, and then he acted. He went out of the land. He, he took up the knife and was going to kill Isaac. And he's acting. He's doing what God... So he's not just believing. It's not some intellectual belief, but it's actually manifested through his life, through walking. You know, walking is an activity, when it says we walk with God, we're walking in his ways. It means we're, we're living in his ways. We're doing in his ways. It's not, it's an activity. It's not just an intellectual state or exercise in our mind. It's our actual life. And that follows the faith. The speaking with the mouth follows the works, you could call them, follows the faith and the belief. And, you know, this whole passage was really just talking about how the Jews and the Greeks, there's no difference from them. How the Greeks can believe just like Abraham did. Abraham didn't have the scriptures. 
So here these Jews are in Christ's time and they're claiming that they have the scripture and they, they're some special privileged people. And Paul keeps bringing them back to the fact that they, that Abraham didn't have the scriptures, but yet he believed in God and he's bringing them back to that same idea. And it says their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Now, what is he quoting? He's quoting Psalm 19. But he's saying, why? Why do these people, they don't have the scripture, but they can still believe. Why can they still believe? Because God has spoken to him and his word has gone out to all the earth. I just want to read Psalm 19 because it's just one of my favorite psalms. And it's so fitting for this passage in Deuteronomy that's part of this lesson. Let me just read that. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. It's saying the heavens, I mean, just looking up into the heavens, you can see the glory of God. Every, everything around us, nature, is, is showing its maker. It's showing God's glory. And there's no speech or language, which means there's no, there's no ethnic group. There's no nationality. There's no country or continent that hasn't heard this. It's the line has gone out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. And then he starts saying how he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I mean, he's saying just like the sun shines on the whole earth, it's that pervasive. That's how much God wants to connect with people. And it's not just a privileged set. That's what in Romans it was saying. It's not just you Jews. It's the Greeks too, because God is opening this up to everyone, his covenant. And I'm just going to keep reading in Psalm 19 because we see this, and I've read this in previous ones. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So that law is Torah, and that testimony is Aduth. The statutes, that's koke, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment, that's mitzvah, of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments, the mishpat, of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Here again we have that concept of your servant is warned. God is trying to tell us what the choice is. He's giving us a choice. He doesn't want it to be a secret. He doesn't want to trick us. He's saying, this is the choice. I'm warning you. And here's the great reward in keeping these. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret fault. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Remember how we said we can sin and not even know we're sinning. So this is like, cleanse me from these secret. Show me, show me your way, Lord, and cleanse me of these. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Here again, we have that same concept. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. It's, it's in your heart and it comes out through your mouth, it, it, it comes out to something that others can see, others can hear. It's First, it's your connection with God, and then it's works. It's something that, that shows your faith. 
And then my strength and my redeemer, that is, that is just like we talked about, the Sabbath being a sign of creation, the strength and redemption. So there we have that concept again. So this, is, this psalm is a really good psalm to be complementary to the study of Deuteronomy that we're studying. Think about this psalm and how the heavens are declaring the glory of God, and then go to Deuteronomy 4.19. That says, and that's in Thursday's lesson, it says, and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow to them and serve them things that the Lord your God has spread to all the peoples under the whole heaven. So how do we contrast this now with what he, he said, that the heavens declare the glory of God, and now he's saying, beware, you know, you look up to heaven and you see the sun and you go, wow, or the moon, and you see a lot of pagan religions where they worship that, or they worship the trees, and they worship the rocks, and they worship things that God has made. The question that the lesson brings out is, how can we be sure that we're not leaving our allegiance to some other God, that we are being faithful to God and we're not being led astray? Maybe we see the moon and the stars and we're moved. But that movement should be toward God. It should be toward acknowledging the creator, not the created, and connecting with God who made us and who defined how to worship him. He's the one that defines how to worship him. The entire Bible is concerned with false worship. The Old Testament, of course, is filled with this, and we see it in Deuteronomy, where even when God comes down to meet with the people and speak to them directly, and the heavens are shaking, and the, and the mountain is quivering, and there's blasts of trumpet and fire and smoke and all this stuff coming from the mountain, and the children of Israel are making a golden calf. How can you do that? How can you have such blatant idolatry right in the midst of God? Because they're taking that feeling, that worship, and they're putting it on another. They're still feeling that worship that, should, that belongs to God, but they're giving it to another. They, they didn't want to wait for Moses to come down from the mountain. They didn't want to meet with God to begin with. and so. But they did want to worship because they feel it in their heart, the worship that God gave them, and they put it on another. So that's what we have to be careful with. One of the three angels' message, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Worship the God who made the heaven and earth. Don't worship the created things, but worship him. And every time the covenant language that we're reading about in Deuteronomy, it always starts with, look at what I did for you. Look at what I've done. Look at I led you out of bondage. I led you out from Egypt. I am the God who led you. It's always defining who God is before he says, okay, worship me and form this covenant with me. He's defining himself because it's really important that we get the God right, that we're going to worship, that we don't be worshiping other gods or some other concept of God. There's a quote that the lesson ends with in Ellen White, and it says, basically it's saying that life and good and death and evil is not talking, when, he's, when he mentions that in this text in Deuteronomy, he's not talking about this life. We're all going to die. We're all exposed to evil here. He's really talking about the second death, and that's in contrast to everlasting life. And so to keep that in mind, that this choice is really not for our life down here. We're going to have life and good 
God will give us good here, but that's not really the aim. The aim is to give us eternal life where he can protect us from evil. So we won't have evil, we'll have peace. So not only will we have life, but we'll have peace. And that's contrasted with everlasting death, the second death. So we can see with this lesson that choosing him not only involves an intellectual faith and an intent to make him our one and only God. I mean, even the children of Israel told Moses, relay everything God said and we'll do it. We'll do everything he says. But in the end, did they do that? No, they didn't. The action is to walk in his ways and to obey him and to worship him and to worship him as he defines the worship. The days that he sets apart as his worship days, those are the days he set apart. They're not the days that we are to choose. If we don't want to obey his ways or worship him as he defined on the days that he defined and the ways that he defined, we're only opening the door for Satan to come in because he will just quickly come in and lead us into false or counterfeit types of worship, and they'll be subtle. Ultimately, they are a form of idolatry, even if they're subtle. You know, it might just be the change of a day or change of a holiday. We don't sanctify these days. God does. He's the one who defined them and made them holy. And it's up to us as intelligent human beings to the best we can to figure out what God wants. He wrote these words in Deuteronomy. He wrote the words in Exodus. He spoke on the mountain and preserved these words for all these thousands of years. And they're words that are not too far from us. They're not too hard to understand. He obviously wants to communicate these to us. But I think we do have to put some effort to worship him in the ways that he defined and be sure that we're not just being dragged in by the culture around us or the traditions that we have inherited from our parents or our grandparents, and ultimately being led into a form of idolatry, which leads to death eventually. So that's the um, important action for us, that we really should be mindful of the worship that God calls us to, and that he is really calling us to this choice, that it's our choice. It's not that it's that difficult, but it is a choice, and we have to make the choice. So hope you enjoyed this episode of Sabbath School Gems, and please join in next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sabbath School Gems. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, and spread the word to others. Comments and questions can be sent to us at sabbathschoolgems at gmail.com. Bye for now.